I played on my brother's soccer teams for quite a few years and was always treated, you know, the exact same as them. So I think to me, it never mattered if it was a girl or a boy. Like, and now if I'm competing against men or women, I don't, I don't care. Kia ora everyone, that was Courtney Dewalter. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. Oh hey Eugene, it's Matt. Oh hi Matt. How's it going? Hey, you know how I've been working on that concept album for ages and I was just at the sort of finishing stages and about to book some studio time. Uh, no. Okay. Well, I, yeah. you'll never guess what happened then. The weirdest thing. Someone, like, my house got broken into. What? Yeah, the house got broken into and my ukulele was just smashed to pieces. The, the pink one? Yeah. No, it oh seemed, my God. it's really odd because it seems like the person who got in yeah. knew, knew where the spare key was Yeah. and my kids were home so they were obviously, none of them were distressed by it, and, and the dog was in. So, yeah. And the person who smashed the ukulele went exactly to where it was. Uh, what, are you, what are you trying to say, Matt? Well, n- nothing. It's weird. It's just weird. But hey, look, I guess what I'm saying is that ship for now has sailed. But, oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got, a, I got another letter from, from Ultra. They are offering the Dirt Church radio listeners 10% off if you go to Ultra Running dot co dot nz and yeah. purchase any pair of ultra shoes if you enter the promo code dcrsux that's dcr sucks they were adamant that that's what we put in so dcrsux they get 10 percent off and also they said that to buy us out of their contract was the words they used that they'd give us 10 percent off as well so the uh, people who buy the ultra shoes are happy their, their feet will be singing, you know, foot shape, toe box, zero drop, all that jazz, power of all the, group. Yeah. all the good stuff. 10% off, so they get 10% off. We get 10% of whatever 10% off is. And, uh, yeah. yeah, if you just if you enter the promo code DCR sucks. So DCR wow. What was the website again? I'm going to write it down. Uh, yeah. Ultrarunning.co.nz. A-L-T-R-A. Yeah, Ultra. dot nz. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully I can save up for a new ukulele when those dollars and cents start rolling in. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm I'm still a little concerned that you're accusing me of something. I'm not accusing you of anything. You sure? You don't want another letter, do you? <sighs> okay. Well, look, I guess we'll catch up tomorrow. That sounds good. DCR sucks. DCR S-U-X. Yeah. Promo code. Okay. Running website. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay, bro. Bye. Okay, bye. Ditch Radio. Hey Eugene, how many beers have you had this morning? Uh, well, technically none. How many zero alcohol beers have you had this morning? One. Yeah, yeah. I've had a beer too. It's New Year's Eve, everyone, and I know this is kind of flipping the script a little bit. We're talking to Courtney Walter. It'll be coming out on the 9th of January, and we're recording this on New Year's Eve because you, I've been away for a break and Eugene's going away, but we've been drinking beer on in the forest. Yeah, for New Year's Eve. Surprise yeah. beers. So, so here we are in 2018, and yep. you guys are in 2019. We've uh, had some beer. Yeah. Not a lot of beer, but it no. is currently 8.50 in the morning, and 
yeah, we're, st- we're ending the year as we mean to continue the next with running and fun and friends. Interesting so, people. Interesting yeah. conversations. Episode 24. Episode 24. We, we made it. We made it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so welcome to 2019 Dude Church Radio. Our first one of the year. Yeah. Yep, coming to you actually across the years. Yeah. And we spoke... Hey, I was thinking, this means we've been going for a year now. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Courtney DeWalter, um... That's why we were being a little bit silly, to be honest. It's not the beer. It's because we've got Courtney on the show. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know about... Well, I do know about you, Eugene. This knocked our socks off. I haven't felt this... And I don't know what it was about Courtney. I didn't expect to be so nervous, but I was very nervous. Yeah. Very, very nervous. such a good human being. Yes, absolutely. We got... Uh, Tailwind put us in touch with her. Yes, so Which, thank you, thank Mark, you, Tailwind. from Tailwind. Yeah, we yeah. really need to give a shout-out to them. Yeah. And we both use Tailwind as well. We do. Um, hashtag not sponsored content. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, thank you very, Don't mix very it much. with beer. No. Don't do that. No. Even zero alcohol beer. Or methamphetamine and smoke it. No, don't that, do that. No. But uh, apart from that, it was uh, fantastic to talk to her. Wonderful human being. Yeah. Good, salt of the earth, funny, and incredible athlete. Yeah, and, and really that sort of, we talked about it and we talk about it in the podcast, but just the sort of antithesis of the um, structured, uh, fettered athlete, yeah. really. And, yeah. and, and no more is that highlighted. And if you were going to cheat on this podcast with other podcasts, I'd recommend you checking out her uh, interview with Joe Rogan, which is, which is wonderful for how complimentary he is, but also for the contrast between them. Um, mm. And you know her talk with Billy Yang is fantastic as well. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah. this one, uh, yeah. So stick yeah. around for that. Worth a million in prizes. Hey, how was your Christmas? My Christmas was excellent. Yeah. So you I got just, up north. I checked did out some trails yep. up there. I checked out a few trails out at Russell, and went up to the Flagstaff, uh-huh. which Honey Hickey cut down a bunch of times, and it was wonderful. It was really nice, and it was nice to go away with family and not think about running. So yeah. that was. And for the first time in living memory, my wife had to drag me out on a run. There you go. So that and go that was here. kind of fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. once I got out the door, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. And so I've been away. You're just going away. Just about to go away. Where are you yeah. going? Going up north as well. Check out some trails up there, um, and some favourite hills. I'm going to run up. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Love it. Although. And, yes. Cody Dieback. Cody Dieback. Up there as well. Yep, we just checked mm. out Tane Mahuta, and which for those of you uh, who do not know, Tane Mahuta is the biggest Cody tree in New Zealand, the lord of the forest. In the world. In the world. Yeah. It's the biggest in the world, and, <laughs> and New Zealand and the world. The universe. The universe, and they surmised that the tree was around when Jesus was. It's 2,000 something years old, still growing. Mm. Cody dieback free, and it was really good to see they've put in some pretty foolproof mechanisms to like, stop, like gate entry yeah. to the yeah yeah, so. and the whole board walks and yep. it's good, yep. fantastic. Yep. I like what you did there, putting the Jesus in Dirt Church Radio. Boom, boom. Anyway, hey, um, stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Mm. Oh, and stuff you should know. We hope that you have had a wonderful Christmas yeah. and New Year's, full of light and love and. Let's smash it into 2019. Yeah. But stuff you should know. Yeah. So I had an interesting chat with Chris Hope. Okay. the show. Yep. Home brewer. Mm-hmm. But 
probably his main th- no no home brewing's probably his main no anyway uh, his uh, the New Zealand and Australian running calendar websites yeah which are a great place to go to check out races massive resource yeah yeah and he was talking about the traffic that he gets around um, not only around off the back of events uh huh so that whole we talked about he he got in touch after we talked about it on the show around post-Kepler sort of yep. panicking about what Madness. race we're going to do. Yep. And he said, interesting you should say that, because after big events, he sees a big spike. Mm-hmm. For instance, Auckland Marathon, they get double the tra- he gets double the traffic. Wow, yeah. after it? The, the e- starting the evening. Yeah. The evening of the race. So people are like virtually still in their sweaty running gear, yeah. diving on the laptop, looking for what race to do next. Still in their space blanket. Yeah. And the same thing happens in the first and second week in January. Right. Yeah. And that data don't lie. New year, new you. Yeah, that's right. Although we all know it's actually new year, same you. Yeah, and we're in 2018 talking to people in 2019. Yeah, I'm confused. No, what I'm saying is, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I guess the thing with yes. goals, you know, uh, and let's use Lance Armstrong as, as a, you know, as a example. So research has shown that with goal setting, you are more likely to either not meet the goal mm. or cheat mm. to meet the goal mm. if the goal is the if the goal is the goal mm. that's right so it's not saying you shouldn't have goals no but we you know we were sort of thinking if you are contemplating taking this new year to opportunity the, the change in the new year the new year mm-hmm Oh, this is rambling. You shouldn't take zero alcohol beer on a run. <laughs> You're um, all giddy. I'm all giddy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you do that, if you do, if you are signing up for races, have a think about how they're going to fit into your year, yep. so that you can ingrain them into your life, yep. rather than making them all at all about the race. Absolutely. Yeah. Process. And I, yeah, and I think that speaking personally, I think that's something that I have uh, only just come to realise. Really, fit your training around your life and not your life around your training. Yeah, and but, even more so with races. Don't make it all about the race. And that's the thing, because a race isn't a race may change. You know, may give give you that uh, sense of achievement. It's certainly going to stretch what you thought possible. It's certainly going to um, give you lots of benefits. But just in the same way that running isn't therapy, running isn't therapy. It's not going to change your life. Yeah. Or it, it might change your life. It's not going to change who you are. No, it'll give you that sense of achievement. And there's nothing like when you have got a goal race coming up on those sort of mornings when you just can't be bothered going for a run, thinking, mm, I've got it because I've got this race. That, it's good motivation, yeah. is what I'm saying. But don't let it be all about the race, the goal. Yeah. Let it be about the process. One of my favourite runners, uh, Amanda Broughton from Wellington, yes, who smashes it on the regular. She does, and she always said that racing is the icing on the cake. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, me too. Increasingly yeah. more and more. Yeah, did so, I just say I'm down with that? You're down with it. I'm you're so down giddy. with the kids. I'm just yeah. so giddy. <laughs> Checkers mixtape dropping first quarter <laughs> 2019. Sensitive Alpha, it's called. Uh, Don't steal the name. Um, yeah, so that's stuff you should know. Is it enough? It's enough. Of stuff you should know. It's enough. It's enough stuff. Just consider you know. it. Yeah, a race isn't going to change who you are. Yeah, because that's the worst thing you can do. Sorry, I'm rambling again. But if you if you do make it all about the race and the race doesn't go well, absolutely. Yeah. You know. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Greatest run ever. 
So, this is the part of the show that you people seem to love, and we love. We love it, yeah. Where we ask you to write into us and tell us about your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that just really made your day. And what we're going to do this year is we're going to start putting greatest run ever up on our website. Absolutely. So you can go back and read them. Radio.com. So you can go and have a look for a bit of inspiration or a laugh or a cry sometimes, a um, bit of verbal fry. <laughs> verbal fry. Yep. Vocal um, fry. Vocal fry. Yeah. I'm frying words all the time. <laughs> so zero percent beer, bro. It is, yeah, to get you got a it. problem. I had to do, do. So um, yeah, so greatest run ever. So send them in to us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or via our social media channels. Um, so I'll start off with Craig Watson, do. my greatest run ever. G'day from sunny Queensland, guys. Thanks for a fantastic podcast. I'm close to finishing off listening to all the previous episodes of Dirt Church Radio, which I only recently found while reading through all the info on the Tarawera Ultra website. Thanks for letting us know how you found us. I'd like to start by saying that I'm one of the many that struggle with the concept of calling myself a runner, as I spend 90% of my time walking and hiking. I'm currently trying to learn to jog. See, I can't even say the word run. Lol. Uh, on the roads to complement my walking during Tarawera 102k in February. I find jogging on trails so much easier and enjoyable than jogging on the road, but I hope by doing some road jogging training it will help me develop some skills. Yeah, and probably a bit of fitness too. Yeah. My greatest walk ever. He's got a, what do you call that one? That's the uh, the little emoji where you're sort of winking. The yeah. winking emoji. The winking emoji. It's probably called the winking emoji. Uh, I believe was earlier this year, 2018, while coming to the completion of 12 months training for the 2018 Kokoda Challenge on the Gold Coast. Apologies if I didn't say that right. Did I say that right? Kokoda Challenge? No. Right. Uh, On the Gold Coast, which is a 96k team event and my first exposure to the fact that people are actually capable of travelling these distances. One of my teammates and I set up a couple of challenges, one of which was to complete four times walking up our local mountain. Mount Lacombe, which is a 3.5 kilometre climb up 635 metres of elevation. It's no joke. That's no joke. We had no idea if this was achievable, as most people, ourselves included, find just one trip up enough to justify an afternoon nap and a fair (laughs) bit of winching. Before I start with how the walk went, I'll explain what the trail is like up to the top of the mountain. The first 1k is fairly easy and something a runner could easily run. Then you start in the middle half, which is just steep and slippery incline. A fair portion of the 638 metres is in this stage, and it is just straight up the hill with no switchbacks to soften the blow. This section is what breaks most people's spirits. Once you reach reach the spur, it's a bit gentler for a few hundred metres before a couple of rock climbs and another section of steep incline. The top section is all clambering up rock faces and makes for some interesting minutes before reaching the top and being able to take in a 360-degree panoramic view of the region. Sounds amazing. Onto our, yeah. Onto our climb. We started at 4am in the dark and set off conscious of trying to conserve energy, but found that we summited in approximately 1 hour 15, which is fairly quick for anyone, especially when we hopefully had three more laps in our legs. The first lap was completed with the company of a friend who had always wanted to hike the mountain and was brave enough to make her first attempt in the dark, hoping to see the sunrise from the top. However, we were a bit early <laughs> and keen to keep rolling, so we trotted back to the car. Our friend went on to climb the mountain again and in a couple of weeks to come with her, in, a, in weeks to come with her kids, 
and caught the sunrise. That's good. Lap two, we were accompanied by two of our teammates and one of the, uh, one of their kids. We found this lap to be very much the same as the first, a smooth walk, legs feeling really strong, giving us plenty of confidence. It was a beautiful winter's morning in central Queensland, approximately 18 degrees, and by the time we summited and started back down, we started to pass a few of the 20 or so people that generally climb the hill on any given weekday. Uh, they all had a look of shock as we bounced past them and over brief words of encouragement highlighted our day's plans, wishing them luck and promising to say hi in the next lap. Prior to lap three, we stopped for 15 minutes to shovel a chicken wrap in, using this as our chance to practice our checkpoint stops for Kokoda. We headed off feeling great with one of, one of the team, one of the two team members from lap two still with us, making three of us as we worked out what... The maths is getting confusing for me. Back up to the top. <laughs> we focused on completing the challenge now that we realised it was achievable. We stopped to encourage a young couple who were sitting in tears trying to find what they needed to keep pushing to the top. Oh. Whoa. We were so proud of them to find out later that they'd finally made it after close to six hours total time in the mountain. I was really looking forward to the fourth lap as my 10-year-old son and his mate were going to join us to complete the challenge. They were excitedly waiting at the car park for us with a typical survival pack for kids, chips, lollies, <laughs> and if they were lucky, 600 mils of water. We quickly filled our camelback bladders and said goodbye to our team mate who was heading home and with slowly fatiguing legs, heading up, headed up for our fourth and final trip. The Yui boom, boom was pumping out tunes and we steadily <laughs> climbed the dreaded middle section of the climb as we started on the spur line. Running up towards the final climb, I hit a wall that nearly knocked me back down to the bottom and realised that not finishing my wrap was a huge mistake as I'd finally used up my last energy reserves. Luckily I had some peanut M&Ms in my pocket and I couldn't believe the boost of energy they provided me to continue to the summit and triumphantly hugged my son and shook hands with Jason, and my teammate, as we celebrated achieving our goal and with only having to tumble our way back down the hill injury-free to finish a successful day's training. We completed the four climbs in approximately eight hours and finished with 28 kilometres and over 2,400 metres of elevation, obviously exhausted and with plenty of leg fatigue. We couldn't have been happier. A couple of cold beers to rehydrate and recover, had us searching for our families and as much food as we could find before crawling to bed with big smiles and finally feeling some confidence that it may even be possible to complete the 96 kilometres and 4,500 metres of elevation with the support of a fantastic team. We went on to finish the Kokoda Challenge in 28 hours with some heroic efforts by team members and support crews. Can't wait to see you all at Tarawera and hope to be crying and smiling as I cross the finish line. Whoa, fantastic. Huge. Yeah, well done. Kokoda Challenge sounds mean. Yeah, let's check that out. I I love the thing with running when... And you, you say you're running up a hill or you're doing a repeat or you're doing something. I love the fact that everyone is walkers and trampers hikers whatever but getting up to the top of something and i think about fletch check fletcher track in the waitakere ranges rebecca and i ran up there one day and it's at huia yep yep so we got up fletchers up to karamatura up to the fork anyway and we ran up past these dudes and we ran up to donald mclean Mount Donald McLean and then ran back down and when we came back down they got to the top and they were actually having lunch so they got out yeah. like a, a jet boil and were brewing up noodles and stuff it, yeah, was, it yeah. was just a, it was it was incredible yeah yeah I love that feeling yeah and coming across that couple um, crying on the track yeah. oh Aww. my god Aww. I'm glad to hear you made it so thanks Craig that was awesome yeah awesome alright on to the next here. one this is mm. a special one because it includes me and this is all about me no it's not <laughs> but this is our friend Dave Jack who uh, we ran with this morning and had beers with this morning he's insta famous 
He's a southern gentleman. He's from Florida. Uh, and he is a southern gentleman. Hello, my name is Dave Jack. I'm a Leo. I love cheese pizza and long walks in the park. Anywho, let's talk about my greatest run ever. Background, I'm a skateboarder. Until about two years ago, I'd never considered myself as a runner. I was just running to keep the beer gut from taking over, but back to the story. Now, I have so many great runs, like my first marathon with my bros, where I seriously laughed so much the whole way through my chip hurt after the race as did mine but the one I wanted to tell you about is different and it just happened a few weeks ago I was talking with my friend Matt one morning about the school at the school drop-off and he said hey I'm going to do some time trials on Anzac Hill today want to come I looked at him and said yeah sure we'll text you if I can make it in my head I was thinking I hate that hill and there's no way I'm running full speed up it so I got home and for some crazy reason I texted him and said that I'm free at 11 hoping this would not work out to his (laughs) schedule his reply was my reply was Cool, I'll pick you up then. So that was it. I was off to Death Hill. We arrive, we do a 10 minute warm up, then three, two, one, go. So during this run, there was no talking, it was all business. I'd never done a sprint up this hill before, but Matt had, and he had a time that he was trying to beat. We're neck and neck the whole way. That's not true. You were leading the whole way, except for a bit where I snaked you. Uh, I wanted to stop, but I knew I couldn't. I got to the top just probably 20 seconds, a little ahead. You were about 30 seconds ahead of me. I looked at my watch and I knew that he was going to beat his time. At that moment, I got super excited and it was like watching my buddy do a new skate trick. The look of determination on his face coming up to the top and knowing he was going to do what he'd set out to do put the biggest smile on my face. At the top, it was high fives and man hugs. And for the rest of the day, all I thought about was how stoked I was on that run and how he beat his PB. So that was one of my greatest runs, having fun and watch my homeboy kill his PB. Love, the Dave Jack. And that was, that was a really special run. Yeah. That was one of my top three runs of the year, actually. And yeah. I did get my PB by a considerable time. Uh, and it was amazing seeing Dave smash it. And anyone who knows Dave or has ever run with Dave knows that he has the most metronomic running cadence. Oh, he does. In He's amazing. the business. Yeah. And one of the nicest guys yeah. to run trials with. A very um, funny but sensitive. A southern gentleman. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. He's a great guy. And like he said, he's pretty new to running, but he's just, you wouldn't know it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you <laughs> wouldn't like, know it. It was like he's been there since the beginning. I remember running behind him once because I'm pretty crap running on trails and Dave is just a beast on the trails. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow his lines to yeah. see how... But I couldn't keep up. Yeah. He's just so... He's pretty fast. He's so nimble and he knows the lines. Through. Maybe it's the skating thing. I think it is. Yeah. I actually think that's a yeah. lot to do with it. That yeah. proprioc- that sense of proprioception, where he is in space, yeah. and his vestibular yeah. uh, system. Would be but most of all, he's a good bastard. Good bastard. Yeah. yeah. The Thanks, Dave, Dave Jack. Yeah. Cheers, man. Yeah. Okay, on to, speaking of getting giddy and good bastards, uh, Courtney Dewalter. Yeah. Now, I printed out her ultra sign-up thing because I was going to be all prepared. But Professional. But the printer ran out of paper because... It just <laughs> goes on and on. There's so many of them. Yeah. So let's just start from September 8th, 2017. Because I was thinking this. Yes. Because sometimes we are guilty a little bit of assuming that our listeners know who we're talking about. Yeah. And I was thinking, if you came down from Mars and tried to explain to someone who is this person we're about to talk to, where would you even start? I would say she's Courtney DeWalter is from Minnesota, uh, her and Prince uh, and Fargo. She's 33. She's background in biology and teaching. She's a biology te- biology teacher. She runs for Salomon. She's background in Nordic skiing and cross country. God, this is sounding a bit professional. 
and uh, has been running ultras for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight years, six years or so. But since uh, is is mur- murdering, murdering it, murdering yeah, it. Totally. Totally murdering it. So let, let's review. Let's look at since 2017. We'll just take it. Where should we take it from? Let's take it from Run Rabbit What Run. 100 miles. Went blind during that. Uh, won it. Uh, Moab 240 mile endurance run. Won that outright in 57 hours. Bet the second place person by 10 hours. Uh, Which as... as been discussed just, previously it was enough time to go home have a sleep eight yep. hours sleep and then come back that's right uh let's skip forward to mount fuji 100 miler this year april 26th first um western states 100 miler first squamish 50 miler first continental divide first tahoe 200 second uh big backyard ultra last person standing um second 279.168 miles. Second overall. Second overall yeah. in the world. And same as at Tahoe to her. Second overall. the universe. Yeah. 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 Uh, Desert Solstice, Phoenix, Arizona. She had a bit of a lay down on that one, but, yeah. you know, massive. Basically, massive, she's been massive. kicking butt, and she, in 2018, had a, a break. And we talk about this, a sort of a breakthrough year yeah, in terms really of into the mainstream. Transcended Really captured the people's imagination, yep. Yep. and we were incredibly lucky to have her. Yep. On the show. Long inseams, beer, candy, and nachos. Yeah. And Courtney DeWalter. And yeah, this is this was a race to the bottom with self-deprecation on both our sides. I think we won probably. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney DeWalter. Ditches Radio. Okay, kia ora everyone. Uh, we have the amazing, uh, we're both amazingly excited. We're sitting here trembling in our shoes with Courtney DeWalter on the line from Golden Colorado. Good morning, Courtney. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. Hey, look, just first off, I mean, you've had a huge year. I printed out your ultra sign-up results and I had to put some more paper in the machine, but you've had, <laughs> you've had 12 races this year and four of those you've gone over 100 miles and two of those you've gone significantly over 100 miles. Are you having a rest yeah, yeah, I am having a rest now. I am taking most of the month of December pretty much off. Quite stationary. <laughs> what does that mean for you, though? Because yeah. I, <laughs> I suspect not much for you is different to the slovenly not much that would be for Matt and me. Um. Yeah, I mean, getting out for walks or, you know, I've gone for a couple jogs just with friends, but not thinking of it as training um, right now and just enjoying you know like enjoying life and um enjoying the fresh air and we've we've got plenty of sunshine right now in colorado so um getting outside basically just to get my face in the sun and um breathe the air yeah but not actually training brilliant and when does that when does that start when will that kick Uh, in i think after the first of the year then i'll start um building back up for uh, a whole spring of racing and um, hopefully setting myself up for you know a successful year again brilliant hey, so speaking of your year I mean as Matt said you you've you know you've had a spectacular year this year 
But you also, the other thing that happened was you kind of transcended from sort of the trail scene into the mainstream, really, you know, with coverage in the New York Times and appearing on Joe Rogan and things. How have you coped with that? <laughs> uh, in what way? I don't know. It's well, crazy. Like, I remember <laughs> listening to... Crazy. I mean, I remember listening to Joe Rogan and I, I, I was on a run and I was listening to you guys and I thought there's a million people watching these two people have a conversation right now. Like, it's, wow. a, bi- it's a big... You know, you, you kind of got everywhere. Don't worry, there's probably less than a million people watching. Just a tad <laughs> under me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four people yeah, in a squirrel. I, yeah. I actually, going into his show, I didn't know quite how big it actually was. Um, and then I'm um, getting ready to, to go in and do this thing. And, and my brother texts me and tells me some like pretty concrete numbers of how many listeners he gets on his podcast and i was like why are you telling me this <laughs> and then you turn up to the uh air force air, air, sorry aircraft hangar that he podcasts out of and he's got an archery range and the werewolf of london and everything and i just immediately started sweating yeah. <laughs> well if there's any comfort to you we're sitting in my dining room at home um <laughs> there's yeah. no there's no uh, there's no um we don't have a werewolf of London here. We don't have a werewolf. Perfect. No. Perfect. What struck me about the, the, the one of the most entertaining things about the your your discussion with Rogan, and not to kind of dwell too much on it, was just the juxtaposition of how relatively un, unstructured you came across in terms of in terms of you know he's very structured in terms of, and he takes this nootropic and this vitamin and this and then he does this at this point and eats this at this time and this at this time <laughs> and you were like nachos and beer and and he's like what did yeah. you do when you finished did you take this or did you take this alpha brain or did you take this and you're like no i drank a beer and and hung out i mean is that your that's always been your approach to to racing and running in life or have you been more structured yeah. at times yeah no i mean um when i was growing up i was on uh, teams with coaches and and so then obviously it was a little more structured but they were just telling me what to do I wasn't you know having to plan that myself um, but ever since I've been you know post actually being on a team with a coach I uh, just like to do whatever feels great that day and um, definitely eat and drink whatever I'm craving and your background is in Nordic skiing because you grew up in Minnesota, right? That's correct. Which yeah. is probably as far from Colorado as you can get. I mean, I guess it snows a lot there, but it's pretty flat. Um, Relatively? Yeah. 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 A lot of lakes. We don't have very much water here in Colorado. Minnesota has plenty of that. <laughs> and so the things I know about Minnesota is Prince is from there. And yes. Oh, I'm so glad that was your first fact you knew. Yep. And my second is uh, <laughs> I'm an avid Coen Brothers fan. So is it is it like Fargo? Uh, uh, in some parts. Yeah. What, if you what? get out um, into the, you know, the north land. <laughs> <laughs> and even, um, I mean, I used to have a much stronger accent that was leaning a little towards the Fargo accent. But um, since I've left Minnesota and lived in Colorado, I think my accent has um, disappeared a little bit. You guys can 
decide that for yourselves, I guess. <laughs> oh, look, we're the ones with the funny accents here. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. You guys could just keep talking all day. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you get off the stage. We've got the weird accents covered. <laughs> and I don't mean to be, I mean, I hope that doesn't come across as disrespectful. Like, oh, you guys are like cutting each other up and feeding each other into chippers and doing stuff like that. Yeah. But but it's such a, I mean, it seems like such That's a wide a open. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a wide, it seems like such a wide open expanse. Um, you know, New Zealand's a, terribly small country um at, and i guess that does that did that always lend itself to sort of nordic skiing like eyes on the horizon long distance um yeah i mean probably so i grew up in the suburbs of minneapolis so i wasn't out in the country by any means um but nordic skiing in minnesota is a really big sport like tons of you grow up doing it, you know, and you um, high schools around the entire state have teams and the state meet is a, a pretty big event. So um, I think there's quite a few like a lot of the people who settled in Minnesota originally were from Scandinavia. So it's like got a huge Swedish and uh, Norwegian background, I guess. And do you still get on the planks? Do you still ski? Not as much as I'd like to. Colorado gets snow, but only up in the mountains. So in order to Nordic ski now, I, I have to drive up to the mountains, and I'm sometimes a little bit lazy to do that. <laughs> well, you do run a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I can just put on shoes and head outside, that's normally what I'll choose to do. Very good. Hey, so just talking of growing up in, in Minnesota, and your dad read something about your dad talking about you growing up with not much money, but obviously a hell of a lot of support and love. Can you give us a bit of a picture of, of your childhood and what it was like? And was there anything about that that kind of built you into this person who doesn't seem to know any limits whatsoever? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, surely it is um, a big part of who I am and, and what I'm doing today. And uh, I think I grew up with two brothers. And a lot of times we just got put on the same sports teams because... It was easier for, you know, driving us to practices and games and stuff if we were all on the same schedule. Yeah. Um, so I played on my brother's soccer teams for quite a few years and was always treated, you know, the exact same as them. So I think to me, it never mattered if it was a girl or a boy. Like, if I'm, and now if I'm competing against men or women, I don't, I don't care. So I think that one feeds pretty directly in. Um, to just like the competitive nature. And then, yeah, tons of support from my parents and um, everything was always pretty active and everything was a game. And uh, I feel, yeah, really lucky to have had that upbringing. Yeah. Is it, is it, I mean, I'm just trying, trying to imagine what it's like. So you, it, was, it was a suburban, suburban life, but obviously a very sporty life. Yeah, really active, um, outdoors all the time, but just, you know, in our yard or out on the street playing kickball or whatever. And my parents supported us in any sport we wanted to try as long as if we signed up for it, we followed through and finished the season. So I, I mean, one year I thought I wanted to play softball. So I signed up for that and hated it basically immediately. Um, and had to finish out the season because that's what you do if you sign up for something and you commit to a team. 
I love that. It sounds love very that. Yeah. Uh, similar to a lot of sort of a, a typical Kiwi upbringing, really, doesn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I ended up, I had, had absolutely no background in it, but ended up coaching my younger son's soccer teams, even though I didn't know what I was doing, and that became blindingly obvious very quickly. But anyway, <laughs> but, um, there were, you know, the kids, you could tell the kids there who who were just dying to pull out and the trick was sometimes trying to make it interesting for them and make it fun yeah yeah because that's what sports about really when you're young and i played a season of i played a season like you of shit softball i remember (laughs) signing up for it and then going what is this game yeah (laughs) i was terrible at sports softball was softball seemed to be a lot of yelling to me Um, look i mean i don't know man i you know it's not in my warehouse I think I blacked that three months out. Just what? Matt's now trembling on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Move on. <laughs> the trigger there. I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> you had no idea. I should have emailed you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're coming down for Tarawera and the race has been going, it's the 11th year that it'll be going this year and by far the most kind of stacked field that it's ever had. You're coming down for the 102. Are you coming down to race or is this a... Not a warm up. I mean, I don't. Again, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but is this a sort of a lead in for the season for you, or are you coming down to just have a, have a good crack? Or uh, I mean, I'll be I'll be racing it. I'll be trying my best to to show up in um, form to compete with you know whoever is there. Um, I'm so excited though, also to just come to New Zealand and uh, to experience the trails and the community there. So. A little bit of everything, yeah. Are you, you going to stay here for a while, or are you just in and out? Or? Um, my husband's coming as well, and after the race, I think we have about a week brilliant. or so where we're going to travel around the North Island. Oh, oh brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll, yeah, you'll have a great time. And there's oh, so we're much, so excited. There's so much good running to explore. What, what enticed you to Tarawera? Like, what was it um, that sort of thought, yeah, I'll give that a go? Oh, man. I mean... New Zealand in general is like paradise to me. Um, so getting to come down and, and uh, experience a race put on that, yeah, is so competitive. And I mean, I've looked at pictures, the area just looks incredible. So yeah, I mean, I can't think of a reason why I wouldn't want to come race it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, it is a stunning, stunning course and it's a beautiful area and yeah, yeah you can't, you can't really go wrong there. And just as Matt sort of brought up Fargo. Everyone who brings up talks about New Zealand immediately goes Lord of the Rings. So I just have to <laughs> just have to warn you that you know you're probably not going to bump into. No, no, I went. Oh, I, went whoa, for, I went for a run in Wellington because I mean, <laughs> so Wellington's a it's our capital city, so it's it's our Washington DC, but it's different. Um, and very different. We, <laughs> I was like, right, I'm gonna go for a run, and I bet you I see someone from Lord of the Rings because it's it's much like any jobbing actor. It, People who have been, you know, you could throw a stick behind you and hit someone who's been on Lord of the Rings. And I actually literally banged into one of the dwarfs from Lord of the Rings at a traffic light. Like, oh my, like I physically banged into him. I was like, what are the odds? Well, the odds are pretty good. The so odds are pretty good. Yeah. You, Did you hear him? Did you knock him over? It was Jed Brophy. No, he's quite a solid Jed dude. Brophy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. He's a very famous... He, Sorry, Courtney, we're getting way off track here. But no, I love this. Keep going. We, we, were, <laughs> we, went to, um, we went to Niue, which is a, an island in the Pacific, a um, couple of hours north of New Zealand. 
and we were hanging out there. And when you go to Niue, there's only one, two flights a week. So everyone you see there is, you know, you see them and then you see them all the time during that week. <laughs> and there was this guy who was really nice and him and his wife and they were like, oh, hey, how you going? They'd sit down and have a drink with us and stuff. And then after a couple of days, we noticed that people were coming up to him and taking selfies with him. <laughs> and we go, who is this guy? Should we know him? But it turns out it was Jed Brophy yeah. from Lord of the Rings. Here we go. There you go. You you had no idea. We had no idea. But I'm, I, can I admit that I've never watched Lord of the Rings? Is that bad? No, because I'm going to admit that I haven't either. Yeah, I might get, but I might get my citizenship taken off me. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I feel like I've really uh, learned something about both of you. <laughs> and not Are you the good... judging? Oh, no, I'm, yeah. ju- I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Like, I've, read, read, I've read the books. I've got the maps. He looked at me in I've a bad way I've got the sword, said you know, like I've got... No, I don't have a sword, but, but nearly everything. But I, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all good. Hey, um... He's like, and, oh, sorry, this call is ending. Yeah, yeah hey, yeah, thanks, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Courtney yeah. Dewalter. And yeah. thank you for the last episode ever of Dirt Church <laughs> <Yeah>. Radio. <laughs> Oh, we've gone completely off track. I wouldn't even know what we're talking about. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we should talk about running, but um, oh. yeah, we, we sort of, one thing that kind of has been a bit of a, um, uh, I don't know, it's sort of a, a growing thing within the trail scene here. I'm not sure what it's like in North America, but there has been a little bit of a kind of introduction of, oh, I'm only doing the 60K or I'm only doing the 100K, you know, when when there is so many sort of 100-mile races and, and further and further, there's a race coming up soon that's a 190K here in New Zealand. And, you know, I guess with the growth of those longer distances, people kind of feel a pressure to go longer. And I just wondered, as someone who's kind of like the the figurehead or the queen of those sorts of longer distances, do, you know, what do you say to those people who are just getting into the scene and you know, start to feel that pressure to go further and further. Oh man. I mean, I, so you're right. And it's really interesting when people do say they're only doing 60 K or 30 K <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm like, no, that's still so awesome. Like I'm, I'm uh, just excited for people to get out and experience the trails at all. So many people um, don't know the networks in their own areas, you know, and, um, there's great trail systems all around the world. So I just get excited when people are, are out enjoying that and the freedom that you can feel out on those trails. Um, yeah, and then if, if they get into it and end up being curious, for sure try those longer distances because we're all capable of, of doing them. But if, if you don't want to, that's no big deal, I don't think. Yeah, because sort of I guess some people feel it's not valid when they don't. But like if you line up at Tarawera and you, you're not doing the 100 mile, it's like, oh, I'm only doing the 50K or the 20K or the or the 100K. It's, I don't know. It just seems it's, it's hard. To, yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, we've spoken to two, you know, we spoke to Ruth Croft. We spoke to Anna Frost recently. We were talking about longer distances. And we asked Anna, you know, she's won hard rock twice. She's done a lot of stuff. And we were like, oh, you know, you came to 100 miles reasonably, not late, but you, you know, you left it a good while. Why was that? And she's like, because it sucks. <laughs> you know, like, she was like, <laughs> it really sucks. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a massive fan of the distance, but I guess it's, I mean, it's about set and setting, isn't it? It's, it's where you, it's got to be right for you at the time. Yeah. And, and you have to want it, especially as those distances get longer, you have to have a, like, 
strong internal motivation for doing it. Otherwise, yeah, you're out there in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and you're like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) What what was the first, what piqued your interest? I mean, what, what sort of, you've, you've had success at a hundred miles, you've had success at smaller distances, you know, you come from background in endurance, but there is a difference. There absolutely is between running a hundred miles and running 200 miles or 240 miles. Yeah. I, I think it's just been how I've gone about ultras in general. Since I got into them, I did a 50 K and loved it. I did a 50 mile race and then was totally hooked on ultra running and and the whole scene, and then attempted my first 100 miles. So each of those, I was just like, what, there's ultras? What, there's 50-mile races? Like, I didn't know they existed, you know? Um, And when I found out they existed, I wanted to try all of it. Um, But I I failed that first 100-mile race I signed up for. I quit at, like, 60 miles, maybe. And uh, ever since then, it's just been um, enjoying the puzzle for me of figuring out how to to do those longer distances. What what was that? Uh, not to dwell on your on your failure there, but what was that race that you pulled out of, and and what why did you pull out? Yeah, I it was the Run Rabbit Run in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, it was their hundred mile race and. And I didn't really know anything about ultras or gear or nutrition or really running trails even. I was awful at it. I fell everywhere. Um, and and it got hard. My legs started hurting. And I thought, you know, oh, my legs hurt so bad. There's no way I can keep going. So I'm just done. I quit. I stopped believing in myself. And um, I thought I wasn't cut out for the 100-mile distance. And since then, I've just realized, like, of course your legs are going to hurt. You're running a, a far distance, but that's when you get to tap into the mental part, and that's when you get to, you know, do some of the fun problem solving out there. So how? what was the process? Oh, God, I'm sounding all nerdy here. No, but process. What was, the, what was the process of getting back on the horse? I mean, you know, you, you reach that point where you go, that's it, I'm not good enough at this, I can't do it. But at some point you thought, you know what, I'm going to go back and give it another crack. How long did that take and, and what went, you know, what made uh, you get back? Yeah, that took like 12 hours for me to want to <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, it didn't sit well with me that I didn't finish something I had started and that I, I quit on myself and I quit on, you know, all these people who had come to support me at this race where I was trying this distance for the first time. And so almost immediately it was um, being, you know, pretty bummed about the whole thing and then deciding that I was going to figure it out. And um, the next year I was going to try 100 miles again because I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up so easily. So it was another 12 months before you jump back in? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I built up a lot smarter. Like I actually yeah. trained and, um, you know, did a little research and, and gave the distance and, um, you know, just ultras in general a little more, I don't know if, what the word is, like respect or like um, actually acknowledged, you know, that the distance isn't, you can't fake your way through 100 miles. You have to like actually put in some front end work for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a a big thing. I mean, like, they're, they're becoming rather ubiquitous. 
you know, and people talk about them a lot and people, and I remember the first time I ever considered running, you know, a marathon or a half marathon, actually, the first time I thought, how am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to do this? And then you kind of do it and you go, oh, that's achievable. But you're right, as that distance ramps up and ramps up, perhaps there is a, not a lack of respect, but uh, you just yeah. sort of see it as the next progression. Yeah, the next progression, but it's... But a hundred mile just seems to be another leap, doesn't it? Was it Jeff Browning who told us about your first your first hundred mile, you have to just experience it. You just it. got to experience it, you're not racing you, it. You're not yeah. actually racing, you just got to experience it. And I guess that's what you're talking about as well. You need to understand it before you can start to dismantle it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, some people it seems can uh, knock it out of the park right away, but it's it took me quite a while to, um, and I'm still, you know, learning from the distances and learning from the races on, on just how to do it and how to do it better. And when you talk about problem solving, and not to go, you know, too much into your head, but are you a one foot in front of the other type person, or do you like, do you do the maths, or is it? you look too far I guess you don't want to look too far forward do you because it'd become quite overwhelming yeah uh usually no math is happening but (laughs) (laughs) uh sometimes yeah it'll be one foot in front of the other and that's like as far as I'll think ahead and sometimes it's you know breaking it up into the aid stations or whatever games you have to play in those in those low moments to keep yourself moving and you're also notorious at telling jokes, aren't you? <laughs> well, not that... well, but I love telling them. <laughs> Is that something you practice for? I mean, are you practicing for Tarawera, trying to break out some decent jokes when you come down here? Yeah, yeah. I have to practice because I always mess up the punchline. <laughs> so, so I have to, like, really practice and uh, hey, a lot if... of hours go What's into your the jokes joke? I tell. <laughs> What's your favorite joke? I love any um, animals walking into bar jokes. That's my favorite joke of all time. A horse walks into a bar, the bartender says, hey, buddy, why the long face? I love that joke. It's my favorite, like dead set, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have that on my headstone. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, I love it. I'm not uh, doubting you. Yeah. I'm not doubting you. I can see you splitting your sides here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's something you have to put work into as well. That's that's good to know that you're so. I mean, you know, in as much as you do um, have that training approach, it's good that you take the joke seriously. That's good to hear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're going to have to really um, get one of the things that you will notice when you come to New Zealand is our inflection and the way that we raise everything at we raise our pitch of our voice at the end of every sentence, so everything sounds like a question. Okay. <laughs> when it's not really a question. I'll work and on that. <laughs> just understanding it. So, you know, the statement question thing probably yeah. catch you. And we off. say A a lot. Yeah. Mm. Is it, uh, that's a Canadian thing as well, isn't it? I think. Uh, oh, not quite. Is that right? Yeah, not quite uh, to the level of Canadians, but. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's just a now thing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to be at Terrawara? I don't know if I'm going to be able to get, I mean, we are podcast millionaires, but um, we both also work because, you know, know, something a bit more structure in our lives now, we can't sit still. So I don't know if I'm, I'm a nurse, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to get time off work. I'm still, I'm having um, flashbacks about Tarawera last year because I don't know if you heard, but it, it rained a lot, really unusually, unseasonally. And so it was muddy as hell. And I entered the 102k and I ended up pulling at 80k. Um, 
because because of the mud because of the mud and because i was sick of swearing at myself and the race organizer paul charteris and falling <laughs> over and i reached a point where it was just like this is not fun anymore and i do this yeah. because it's fun and i'm actually hating this and that's not where i want to be yeah i don't know not to turn this into a counseling session or anything, <laughs> sorry but um yeah, so uh, Tarawera and I, we do have unfinished business. I've run it a couple, of, run hundred k yeah. a couple of times, and it's an amazing course, and that was really unseasonal and unusual. So don't cancel your tickets. But so, um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you're not getting redemption this year, or are you? So finished? I'm not. I'm going to take a year off this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, we might come down and yeah, hang out because it's. I mean, it's such a stacked race yeah, yeah, yeah. right across all the events. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's for a race. The- yeah. For a race that started, I think, what did they have? Six, no, 60 people at the first race 10 years ago. Yeah, our friend ran the first race and looks really like turn up to a table and I think Barefoot Ted was there and he gave him his sort of his pin or something and, and they took they off. They went off. They, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really low key. Now it's turned into this amazing world-class event. It's quite, we're, we're quite proud of it. Yeah, and that, that's the thing too. There is a lot of kind of ownership within the community of that race and and for, for for positive and negative i mean you know it's a, it, it is a very what what you work out very quickly when you get here is i mean people talk about i, I guess that thing isn't it oh, ha, ha, fargo and, and everything so down homey and small i mean wait till you get here there's like less than there's like 4.6 million people in the whole country the whole country yeah, yeah there's not very many of us around so yeah we know everyone and every, yeah. Yeah. well, that's what, and and they say that too. You know that there's five degrees of separation or seven degrees of separation in New Zealand. It's down to two. That, that's awesome. At like, the most. At the most. <laughs> like everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Do you guys like, the, like that or not like? That? I love it. Yeah, we yeah. do. We love it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I think it has a real sort of, and, and you see it. It has a real sort of casual. There's a real casualness. You know, like there's a whole, like the other day, a woman got thrown out of a shopping mall in um, this place called Sylvia Park because she wasn't wearing shoes, and that okay. got on that got on the news. It was a national <laughs> outrage because we don't generally wear shoes. You know, like I have to wear shoes because I work in an emergency ward. But apart from that, we don't like you know, the whole no shirt, no shoes, no service thing doesn't apply here. Like people yeah. just in and out of shops. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. People shirtless in church, you know, like there's all sorts of stuff. Well, maybe not that, but you know what I mean? Like it's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. You guys are in summer right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's humid as all get out here. Mm. Right. Yeah, we're at dead sea level. Like we, both of us like live by an estuary. So, um, yeah, we can, it's, it's hot, eh? Yeah, which mm. makes it hard training for um, hilly races. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when oh, you live at sea level. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how was... You, I mean, the other thing that's happened this year is that you've sort of been not drawn into because you don't have to be part of it, but we're about to make you part of it. Um, oh, the whole boy. debate about men and women in endurance events and and you know whether there's a you know there's some sort of magic limit where women become you know physically superior to men and all that sort of stuff. Which I don't know. Just is that is that something you dwell on or think about, or is it you you just get on and do it and you don't think about much or i mean you talked about your background as a kid and not really thinking about it does that apply now as well yeah i think it does i um like for me when i'm racing i'm i'm just gonna keep pushing as hard as i can so that when i finish i don't wonder what if or like did i give it my all i want to be certain when i finish a race that i gave it everything i had that day and so 
you know, a lot of times a motivator for pushing yourself is just searching for that next person in front of you. And, and for me, I don't care if, if that's a man or a woman, um, I'll just keep, keep looking for, for people throughout the entire race, just to hold myself accountable to putting it all out there and not, you know, settling or, or, uh, giving a partway effort, I guess. Yeah. So that's not a, a motivating factor as such for you is the, the, the gender of the person in front of you is just obviously clearly not a motivator for you, but you just get on yeah. and beat, beat whoever's in front of you. Yeah. It's just a way to, to, yeah, hold myself accountable and to, and to not stop putting my foot on the gas until I've reached the finish line. I mean, and, and some people seem to get really exercised about that. And, you know, that, that thing of, again, not talk about Rogan, but I remember laughing out loud when he was recounting, you know, the, the gentleman that you bet by 10 hours and how he'd be like sitting in a traffic light and all okay. And then the light would go red and he'd start yelling about it. <laughs> 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 it's sort of, you know, he's, he's traumatized for life. <laughs> this year, I mean, you've run so many different types of races like you know and congratulations you know western states and ultra trail mount fuji really really amazingly organized well publicized races and then i mean you towed the line at the big backyard ultra which again has a, you know seemed to be like this world kind of laz's races have such um interest around them just because of the otherness of them what's i mean what was the experience of towing the line at the big backyard ultra what was that like oh it was so cool i i think that race format is um really it's really fun and and unique and um it's a new way to to test yourself when there's no finish line what are you capable and willing to do um and i think a lot of laz's races are set up in that way where it's you know forcing people to to push themselves a little bit harder and a little bit I guess differently than than they normally would have to so I I thought it was really cool to be a part of and that one I mean sort of like run rabbit almost immediately probably I'd give myself seven hours after that one after a few hours of sleep and I was already thinking about you know how can this be done better what you know would um what gear would help more or what sort of like lead in would help more to um, be able to stay in it longer uh, but it does, isn't that almost a I mean what gear would help more after 279.168 miles <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, gear would help I'd more could be yeah. insert here I would have gone another whatever it just <clears throat> uh, I think I think that one I mean less about gear but just having experienced it and knowing a little bit more about you know, what it feels like to live for those whistles and bells that he would ring each lap, you know, and like the mental state that happens when, when you become like, I mean, we were almost robotic there by day two. You're not even like thinking like a human. You're just like listening for the whistle, which he rings at three minutes out, two minutes out and one minute out and then waiting for his cowbell. And that means you can run. So like, it was just like, listen for the whistle, whistle was blown, stand in the corral, bell was rung, now we start running. (laughs) Is it hard to, I mean, obviously during the run you need to have some sort of focus, but how hard is it to sort of switch off and get the sort of 
I guess, the rest that you can when you're not running, but still be in in the zone, as it were. Because you were getting between like sort of 15 to between 10 and 15 minutes, hey, for that whole time. Yeah, I think I think I was getting, yeah, around 10 minutes between laps and I wasn't great at resting. So that would be another piece that um, maybe just, you know, understanding what that looks like a little bit more beforehand would make me better at it. But I wasn't sleeping much and I wasn't, you know, able to turn off my brain very often um, in a way that was like producing great rest. So that would be something to work on. So to be able to just, yeah, even if it's just 10 minutes, just to be able to, to take that rest and shut down the mind out of yeah. that place. Yeah. I'm a wow. big fan of the, 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 the 10 minute and less sleep, like the combat nap or the fisherman's nap or the, you know, the, the do Walter nap as you'd probably call that now. <laughs> uh, we do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, did you manage to sleep at all or? Not much. No. I mean, I would close my eyes, but, um, I wasn't falling asleep very well. Yeah. Well, what a- yeah, it's incredible. What what are the what are the mind games like? You guys, you and Johann Steen, what you ran thirty three miles alone? Was that right? No, something, we something like that. We only did a few laps alone um, oh, because okay. Gavin Woody. Damn New York who, Times. Who, well, Gavin Woody got third, and um, yeah. I think it was down to the three of us for quite a long time. Right. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but. Uh, so it was only By a couple that, of laps where it's just the two of you. But even so, what's that like when you know that, you know, the winning of this race is just one of you deciding that's it? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine sort of staring out at each other or something. I don't know. What, what's, what's, what's it like? What's going on? Yeah, we weren't, I, I mean, I wasn't consciously playing any mind games with him. And, um, I mean, he was showing no weakness. Like he was showing that physically it wasn't difficult and he wasn't, you know, yawning or acting sleepy at all. So maybe that was like part of his strategy. Um, but by the end there for me, it was just survival. Like I was like, keep holding on, keep going, you know, but then also in that same thought, it would be like, we could be out here all week. Like, (laughs) yeah, when will it end? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing too. I mean, I've got a couple of questions lined up, but I'm, me and another race director, we're actually putting on a, uh, a, a big backyard in Riverhead in oh, Auckland, cool. and we're one of 10 races in the world that if the winner gets a, um, a golden ticket to the backyard ultra. That's awesome. But I'm worried because I'm trying to book leave at work and going, you know, I don't know how long to book the leave for because <laughs> yeah. it's someone's, so, you know, if we could be out here all, all week. What's so, your loop like? Uh, I'm not telling. What? It's a secret? No, it's not a secret. We'd, uh, we might not. It's, it'll be a 6.7K easy trail loop. Okay. Not much, not much elevation. Okay. Because that determines, you know, how long people can last in it is a lot based on on what the the technicality of the loop looks like or the elevation or, you know, how much it's going to wreck people over time. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of uh, we want to keep it sort of secret so no one's training on the course. But no, it'll be it'll be an easy 6.7 K. loop in Riverhead Forest, which is a forest out here, and um, it'll be mainly trail, some gravel. Okay. Um, okay. It's not super technical. Not or... super technical, right. 
Yes, yeah, so you should probably take the whole week off. <laughs> I think I will. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Um, the thing I love about it, though, also, and we're doing a, a relay, you know, an 8, 12, and 24-hour relay, is it kind of, it's quite egalitarian as well. Like, it's not it, that, on the one hand, yet yeah, there's people who will go until they can't go anymore, but there's also the no-set-prescribed distance. I really like that as well. It makes it kind of attainable. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no pressure for yeah. if you just turn up and just... If you, you don't wanna... have to be the fastest. No, or you yeah. don't have to go until you can't go anymore. Yeah. You can pick a distance. You can pick a... Yeah, it seems... I think a lot of people would maybe do and would, could sign up for it as just, you know, like, I want to run my first 30 miles or whatever. Sorry, it's not in kilometers. But then they could just, you know, chip away at that distance all day long with a group of people... Um, and the cool part is you all regroup each lap. So yeah. you're never, you know, out there all by yourself in the middle of nowhere. You're, it's like this, it gets this like family reunion feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every three minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems like, Lance, I mean, and, you know, you look at the, you know, everyone knows from the Barclay and, and, and it's kind of this dude who probably smells like Siggy's and he makes you bring a, <laughs> it makes you bring a license plate. And he seems to, I mean, he, it's clear though you catch those little moments where he's shedding tears with people and he's doing things he seems to really care about i mean he he knows that you're there to hurt and he's totally okay with that but he seems to really really care about each and every person that's there as well oh yeah i don't want to like wreck his you know this persona he's created but he's really an excellent human and um yeah has just figured out how to create these events that that make you go into some maybe dark places, but at the end of it, he's going to be there and he'll be the first one to congratulate you on your, on your efforts and um, encourage you throughout the event. So, and he didn't smell like Siggy's. (laughs) surprisingly yeah i mean i clarified that is the barclay thing you know like because he's always smoking but (laughs) i really loved as well as the rationale behind the barclay how he was making fun of the man who shot was it martin luther oh reagan no the clansman whatever that clansman who who i think he shot martin luther and he escaped from frozen head he escaped from the prison he only made like eight miles in 48 hours and the reason that they put on the barclay was like you think you're such a big tough aryan warrior but like we just come and run these trails every day like that's why you know he talks about it's It's fantastic yeah it's a really cool origin of the race and if people haven't seen the movie the barclay they should look it up there's a few of them and they're all really great yeah. yeah. Did the, did the people who I mean did the Barclay crew did they turn up to the to the backyard was it that sort of vibe like everyone was just there hanging out and you know offering support and advice and all that? So some of the runners have done the Barclay and um were at the big backyard as well and then uh obviously Laz and his wife and um yeah, I'm not sure. It had this really cool community feeling though where uh, every lap, you just sat back down in your chair and and told jokes with and chatted with the people around you, and then everyone lined back up and we did it all again. So you were in joke heaven. <laughs> oh man, joke heaven! <laughs> yeah. I can't. I don't remember any of them or the punchline that goes with them. But <laughs> so, 
We uh, Eugene Eugene is uh, a proper journalist oh, and and writes. Yeah. Uh, no, you actually are employed. You're going to go yeah, to a place carrier. with journalists oh, yeah, today. So he writes a <laughs> column every week. So in in a on a website it's called Stuff. So alongside the podcast, we do, uh, Eugene does a column every week about running, and every single week in the comments, regardless of what the what the runs about or what the what the the articles Content. about what the columns about every single week there's at least four commenters who tell us that running is bad for our knees <laughs> and, and that it's bad for us do people shout that at you in the supermarket because <laughs> we figure if, if i cop it yeah. every week and look okay I'm not, you know i'm not much of a runner but yeah you and going all these distances yeah people <laughs> must just be hurling that at you all the time yeah trying to tell you running is bad for you yeah. Luckily, where I live is a pretty active place, so no one shouts it at me like when I'm grocery <laughs> shopping. But I, um, yeah, receive plenty of comments and messages about uh, just being concerned, yeah, for the health of my my knees and my feet. Yeah. So density. I appreciate the concern, but I'm gonna keep running them. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I respond as well. I was like, "Thank you for your concern," but you know. But it's asked backwards, isn't it? I mean, it's something that it actually benefits bone density. It benefits all those things. It's, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible, it's an incredible thing how something that we were designed to do is now kind of alien for most people. Yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. It really is. Hey, look, we. Uh, at the point in our conversation, we ask everyone this question at the oh end boy. of our conversation. Yeah, yeah, here we go. It's um, Courtney DeWalter. What is your greatest oh, run so ever? Well, we had to at one point or another. We're gonna. We have told to. you we were gonna be professional, and we've got to keep our promise. And yeah, right okay. at the end of the conversation, so we're finally having to do so it. So no, we ask this conversation. We ask this. <laughs> see, we can't even get our words out. We ask this of everyone. You know, Courtney, what's your greatest run ever? It doesn't have to be a race. Doesn't have to be, you know, anything that you've won. I mean, I've I've got the paper here. I could shout some out to you if you want it, but <laughs> jog your memory. But um, no, yeah, what's I your think greatest uh, ever? yeah, I've I've shared some really fun training days in the mountains of Colorado with friends, and and those are often uh, some of my favorite running memories. Is you know where there's no real agenda and you're just bouncing around in the mountains of Colorado and uh, racking up the miles and um, enjoying some good company. Fantastic. What, uh, and I'll ask you a bonus question because one thing that you have in the States that we don't have is frightening animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we've got birds and that's it. Yeah, um, you encountered a Kia at uh, Kepler. Yeah, I encountered a Kia. Uh, you know what a Kia is? No. Yeah, those birds. Yeah, an alpine, wow. an alpine parrot, and she was at this aid station, um, eating a packet of goo chomps and then gagging. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the bird was. Yeah, the bird was like, hey, "This little, this dinosaur, and you're not going to take it off her because she had this, this beaks of fear. They're brutal. They're brutal. Mm. They're not mountain lions. But it was eating this, uh, eating this goo chomp, and then would, <laughs> and then was gagging. <laughs> What's the most terrifying animal you've ever seen out on the trails? Wait, so what happened? Did the did the bird just leave the goo? I got my photo taken, like in quite a hard style, like quite gangster, like yeah. pointing at the kia, like we were friends. And uh, while I was in the thing, and then we carried on, we just left it to it. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to get in a fight with it. But <laughs> Do yeah. not fight a kia. You won't encounter any kia at, at Tarawera. In fact, what, what animal life will you encounter at Tarawera? 
sheep. Uh, yeah. Not so much on the Tarawit, of course. There's a, there's a lot of sheep. You um, see them around the area. You'll get... Um, I can't really... Uh, uh, fantails. Fantails. Yeah, yeah fantails are these cute little... Yeah, piwakawaka. They're these cute little birds that will skip along behind you eating the, the worms and the little bugs that you kick up on the trail. They're oh, really amazing. Yeah, yeah you feel like cute. you're in a Disney movie. Like yeah. you were. Like yeah. But I can never tell if they're being aggressive or friendly because they're just so cute. You know, they might yeah. be getting really be like being sort of chastised by a squirrel or something. <laughs> but what's the most what's the most frightening animal you've ever seen? Because Eugene's got a mountain lion phobia, even though we live in New Zealand and don't have mountain lions. <laughs> yeah. Every time we go out, he's still worried about them. That's a good phobia to have, though, just to <laughs> always be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I haven't ever, I've never seen a mountain lion out on the trails. Um, probably the odds are that a mountain lion has seen me on the trails. Um, but yeah, we have like, you know, ornery moose or, um, bears or rattlesnakes are really big in Colorado. So it's tricky in the summertime. You have to be staring at the ground, watching out for rattlesnakes. But also then sometimes I'm like, I need to be looking up at these cliffs for the mountain lion that's getting ready to pounce on me. Yeah. So like, where should I look? I don't know. I know, I know how you feel. I do <laughs> yeah. that all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe they're working together. The rattlesnake will distract you. The mountain lion will jump on. Oh, no, you'll get um, uh, native falcons on the Tarawita course. Do, do, they dive, do they dive bomb? Yeah, yeah, they're really aggressive, apparently. No, really? Whatever. No, I've that never was... been attacked by a falcon on the Tarawera course. Tim Day, as we were counting down for the 50k, the Tarawera 50k last night, uh, last, last time, he was like, okay, seven, eight. Oh, by the way, there's really aggressive falcons nesting on part of the course. Three, four. <laughs> <laughs> and sent us all off. Did you see him? No, I didn't. I took my glitter hat off. I didn't see him. Oh. No. <laughs> so if if you're in Auckland and you want to experience some wildlife, we'll take you for a run out to Riverhead where the most aggressive you'll come across are some pigs. Wild pigs. <laughs> yeah. And Matt's dog, Rigby, is... is um, No, Rigby's not aggressive No, he's not aggressive no, at all. No, he might lick you to death, but that's about all. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to come to New Zealand. And oh, we're we excited are to excited have to have you. Yeah. Hey, look, Courtney, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute highlight. Have a wonderful, uh, relaxing and sedentary Christmas and New Year's. And, and you know, um, I hope that it's filled with love and light and family. And we will very much look forward to seeing you down here in February for Tarawira. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Thanks for getting up a little bit earlier. No worries. Not at all. <laughs> Happy holidays to you as well. So there we go. I'm still in that, I don't know if you know what a GIF is, you probably know what a GIF is, but that GIF of, uh, what's the actor? Noah, who's shaking his hands and screaming. He's really excited. Yeah. That's still how I feel yeah. regarding that conversation. So yeah. we feel incredibly grateful to Courtney. We're super excited to catch up with her when she's in New Zealand. And um, yeah, what a haunch. Total. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Courtney. It was yeah. fantastic. And thank you to you for listening. Yep. Thank people. you for listening. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Thank you for you for listening. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week, next year, next week. 
with another interesting conversation with an interesting runner. Um, obviously, we're on social media, or on all the platforms at Dirt Church Radio. Our email is dirtchurchradio at gmail.com, and our website is dirtchurchradio.com. Where you can find the, the greatest runs ever. Yeah, we're going to be loading them up. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms, and you can download direct from our website. Um, and if we're not where you want us, let us know. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Also, if you like what you see, please spread the love. It would be great as if many people heard the show as possible, and for that, we need your help. Um, don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have any comments, queries, suggestions, or theories, fire those through as well. Again, thanks to our guest, Courtney. Uh, thanks to Ultra, our sponsors. Thanks to our editor, Kieran. And we've got a really great guest lined up oh, for yeah. you yeah. next week. So yeah. tune in then. More like shaky. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for real. Thing. Yeah. Hey, thanks to Tailwind too for um, lining thanks, us up Mark. Courtney. Thanks, Mark. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Catch you guys next week. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rippy. We were neck and neck the whole way. <coughs> Bullshit. Um... <laughs> Bullshit. Lol. Good bastard.